0: Today we're gonna to talk about uh exhaustion. Are you exhausted is the title of today's message. And uh it uh I'm seeing more and more people always just wore out and tired all the time. And uh when you pray about it, that's a little different. And uh so I've been I've been praying on this. I I give you an example, like I started recognizing it probably Four or five years ago, used to I would come like we would have youth night. And when I'd come, the energy of the kids would just high energy. And uh, so I'd always pray that I'd have more energy than them. And I always did. But it was always just high energy because they're teenagers. And then probably four or five years ago, as we get, like, you, you know, every three to four years, your kids just change out you get a whole new group because they grow up. And the the newer kids we were getting, they would come in and you'd walk in and they'd all be laying on chairs. And I'd be like, what is wrong with you guys? And they'd be like, we're just so tired. And I'm like, how are you tired? What would you do today? Sometimes it'd be school, sometimes it was summertime, and they did nothing all day long and they'd just be tired. And I'd be like, how are you tired? You did nothing today. Like, I don't know, I'm always tired. And I feel like it's almost like a generation thing now. Like, you're, like maybe not even generation, I should say a cultural thing. Like, throughout all of society right now, people, you ask them, they're just like, I'm tired. I'm tired. And you'll be like, what did you do? I was like, I just went to work. But I'm tired. You know, and, and, uh, it's just a thing now. And, and I'm, I want to talk about that today, and I'm going to go into, uh, Eventually, we're going to be in Hebrews four, but Matthew eleven twenty eight through twenty nine says, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light." And I'm going to pray before we get into this. So, Father God, I I thank you for who you are, Lord. Jesus thank you that you invite us in. I pray that the words spoken today would be straight from your mouth, not mine, Lord. Get me out of your way, Lord, and let us receive what you have for us today in Jesus name, we pray amen uh so i was uh as I was praying about this word, I started thinking about the most the people who were probably most tired in Scripture, I was trying to think, like, who was the people who were just so exhausted in Scripture? And then it dawned on me, probably the most tired people ever in the history of ever had to be the Israelites when they're walking in in the wilderness for 40 years. And I'm thinking, like, if I walked for 40 minutes, I'm going to get tired. If I walked for a whole day, I'm going to be really tired. But if I walked even 40 days... I'm probably going to be pretty mad at whoever's having me walk for 40 days. You know, I'm going to start thinking like, I don't know, I'm just going to be real mad. But for 40 years, they walk. And I can't imagine the exhaustion that comes along with walking for 40 years, especially when you know your destination is only 11 days away. You're 11 days away from your destination, and you're walking around in a circle, and you're just not making it. And you're thinking like, I was told we had a promise. I was told there was going to be something better for me. I was told when we came out of Egypt, out of our slavery, life would be so much better. Which wasn't actually what they were told. They were told they'd be led into the, the land of milk and honey. It didn't say when or didn't give a time and it didn't... Well, God didn't over-promise what he was going to do, but they just kept going and walking and walking and walking. But God kept providing throughout that whole walk, right? It was always that same thing. And... uh We what we read about them and we think like, man, they just didn't get it. He was providing manna, their shoes weren't wearing out, you know, God's going before them, he's a providing water in a rock, and like all the way he was providing for them, we look at it now and we're like, it'd blow our mind. We'd be so excited, but we're so excited because it would be, we see it from like, when we read it, you know, we may read it a day or two that we're reading it, and we're like, this is a really cool story. They were living it for 40 years. After 40 years, you're probably pretty tired of some stuff, right? And uh, so Hebrews 4 kind of addresses that, but before I get into Hebrews 4, I'm going to give you a quick synopsis of Hebrews 3 so we can get into Hebrews 4, and he's talking about those who were promised out of Israel to enter into his rest. And he's talking about because of their hearts and their grumbling and their disbelief, they just could never enter in. How many of them, he's talking about how many of them died off, entering, trying to enter in his rest and they never make it. And they, They just were not ready to receive his rest. And they were, you know, they were still walking. They were still being provided for, yet they couldn't enter into the rest. And I often think, you know, and uh, I've heard many of people preach it, I often think, like, if they just got it immediately, that would have been an 11-day trip. But it took them 40 years because they didn't get it. And I think, I'm 45 years old, and I've been walking with the Lord a long time now. There's a lot of things I still don't get. That maybe if I got it, like, if I realized real quickly that, you know, hey, the Lord provides that, it might already be done. I may not even have the turmoil anymore. I may not have to try to, to fight for things that I'm I'm not giving up. And uh at the moment I don't know what they are, I probably would. But you know, they didn't get it. They just had no idea and, and truthfully if you read all I'm not gonna read all the Exodus and, and, and Numbers, and we're gonna read Hebrews because it's a quicker version than that, which would take a long time to come to, but Really, they were looking for their rest in a lot of different ways. They were being provided for their food, but they really wanted the food they did have. They were wanting their version of the food they wanted, right? They were looking for uh, provision at all times from Moses. They weren't actually looking for provision from God. They were going to Moses to say, you brought us out of Egypt. You need to provide for us. And it's all this whole thing of they forget who was actually in charge. And uh, and even Moses himself, whenever it comes time to provide the water in the rock by God, starts actually kind of forgetting who provided it also, and that's why he didn't enter into the rest. He was starting to think that they were coming to him and he was one providing, and he never gets to enter into the rest either. And uh, But they're focused in the wrong spot. They're focused on the wrong things, and they're looking at what they did have and not what they have now. And, and you may think like, well, Eddie, we definitely aren't looking for you or Chad or Jason or Keeve or Ryan or anybody else for our rest. It's probably good you don't look for me to me for your rest because you probably wouldn't get much. Okay? You wouldn't get too much rest. Physically, at least, you would not get much rest. But I want to talk about how it is they could have entered into rest even though they're out there walking in the desert for 40 days. Or 40 years, I mean. And how how they could have easily found that rest faster. So we're going to go to Hebrews four, and it says, "Therefore, talking about them, since the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us be careful that no none of you be found to have fallen short of it." So they were looking for the rest, and we're still looking for the rest. It's still provided, and and. Commentaries will always tell you to, whenever you come to this point that you've got to remember that just because Joshua led them into the promised land, that was not the rest God was speaking of. The reason why we know God wasn't speaking of the rest of the promised land is because it's still in Hebrews 4 where they're still covering there's still rest for us to enter into. And uh, For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. And there was a few, very few, and it was all the younger ones that were coming up like Joshua, Caleb, which Caleb wasn't young, but there was a few who actually did enter into the rest that God was the provider, that God was the one who was doing something, that they were always in God's presence. They were seeking the Lord, and somehow they always had energy. We see when at Caleb's 85, he's still trying to fight, right? And I'm thinking, when I'm 85, actually, I hope I never make it to 85, but if I'm 85, I'll just be glad if I can walk, right? That was what I'd be. But Caleb's fighting still. He's still got energy because he found his rest and his provision and his guidance all from the Lord, same thing with Joshua. Same thing with the ones who actually got to enter into the promised land. They were focused on the one who provides rest, not on the rest itself. Not on what they need. Not on what they're not having, right? They were focused on the right thing and that was God. Right? And I, uh, I'll go ahead and get into it. A lot of times I think with us when we get really tired or we're beat down or, or whatever it is, A lot of times our first thought is, when I get home, I'm going to lay down and I'm going to sleep. Or I'm going to go home and I just need to unwind and I'm going to turn on a movie and I'm just going to veg out. Or I'm going to get into a a video game and just kind of forget the world. Or, you know, some people turn to alcohol or drugs or, you know, they turn into relationships or friendships. They turn to something that's going to try to distract their mind from how wore out and beat down they are. And I feel like that's what they were doing. They were turning to Moses, but they were also turning to, hey, I remember back in the day when I was really tired and beat down from all the work I was doing as a slave. I at least had food to eat that was good to me, and I I found joy in that. You know, they were finding joy and looking for things that would please them instead of looking to God. And uh, we do that often. As a society, we often look at what's created to provide our our rest more so than we are the creator who created rest and who says jesus says come to me and it's all taken care of that blows my mind that he makes it that simple you're tired you're wore out come to me and i'll take care of it and yet how often do we actually do that right he says just come to me and I know a lot of people, you talk to them, they're like, well, when I get home, I'm just too tired to read the Bible. And I'm thinking, that's the best time to read the Bible. That's the best time to start praying. Well, it takes a lot of effort. That's what Satan wants you to think. That's exactly what the enemy wants us to think, is that we're just too tired to do something. And and uh during worship, I actually remembered, and you two will remember this for sure, I remember Pastor Rod once sharing that he was... He had this great depression upon him one time and he just it was not characteristic for him and he's laying at home and he just starts feeling this great pressure on his chest. you guys remember that? And he realized it was Satan trying to hold him down. it was the enemy trying to keep him where he was at and immediately when he recognized it, he didn't turn on the TV and look and like try to distract from it. the first thing he did was prayed it, bound it. And got up and started moving. Right? And sometimes that's what we have to do when we're just so beat down. We have to pray and say, Lord, I need your energy. I need your help, God. And we got to get up and move. How many times have you been ready to go do something that the Lord's called you to do? And when it comes time to do it, you just can't do it. You're just there. You're like, I can't move. I just don't feel it. It's not in me. And we don't usually stop and pray. We usually say, all right, I'm just going to stay home and rest tonight. Yet you're not getting any rest because the Lord's not in it. You wake up in the morning and you're still tired. You still don't want to go do it because you didn't actually get any rest. You got physical rest, but you never got spiritual rest. Right? And uh, I know, it's meddling more than preaching probably. But uh, we're going to keep going anyway because... I see a, a, a pattern in our world that needs to be broken. And, uh, the problem is I see it's growing. More and more and more and more of people just can't move right now. And, uh, it's sad. And, uh, I don't think people lack faith. I think they just haven't learned how to rest. Now we who believe enter that rest just as God has said. So I declare on my oath, in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And he's talking about those very ones who were grumbling, those very ones who were not seeking him. He said, In my wrath, they'll never reach rest. And I, I that's a harsh thing, but those who aren't seeking him, those who are not turning to him, will never have rest. And it says, In my wrath. And I always believe God's wrath is, he just withhelds his hand from us. And he allows us to have and get whatever we want. And if it's just to sit there and lay, he'll let us do it. He'll let us do whatever like his will will never overtake our will. He'll allow our will to be present and to, and to have that and but sometimes we our will is that we would do something we just are too weak and that's when we turn to the Lord and we pray about it. Right? We have to start praying about it. If you're lacking energy, if you're lacking the ability to rest, if you're like go to the Lord First thing should be going right to the Lord, right? Therefore, since I... Am I in the right place here? Nope. And yet his words have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from his works. And again in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. They obeyed the Sabbath. They didn't work on the seventh day. They obeyed it as a law. And they were still never entering into his rest. And I want us to understand that. Just because we're fulfilling like laws of something, we're doing what we're supposed to do, doesn't mean we're entering into rest. There's a difference in what they were doing, obeying the Sabbath, than actually doing what God was doing. God actually stopped working Stop toiling. Their rest was actually more work of trying to work out their rest and trying to figure out how to rest and how to do it. And like they put more on themselves trying to fulfill the Sabbath than they probably were doing during the week. Because they were trying to fulfill the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was all about hey, give up. Just come over and sit with me, come over and rest. God didn't do anything to rest on the seventh day. He just did nothing. He gave up. He let it be, right? And uh, we're going to get more into that here. So it says, Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. Today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the uh, passage already quoted, Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. And he's talking about the very fact that you can enter into rest today. Not like, hey, on Sunday coming in and my rest. Every day we could be resting. And you're thinking like, wow, I don't have to work anymore? Nope, that is not what he's saying. There are still spiritual works that have to be done. There are still physical works that have to be done. But they're not your work anymore. We enter into His work. We enter into His plan. We enter into His ways, And we pursue Him instead of trying to do it ourselves. Right? We've heard the good news that we've tried and we've tried and we've tried and we've tried and we failed. Now turn to the Lord and receive your salvation. And it's a free gift. We've heard that word. Yet, do we actually enter fully into our salvation? Do we enter into that full gift? Or are we still trying to do things our way while trying to still also receive that gift, that that rest, right? For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest... Also rest from their works, just as God did from His. And He's very good to put down that you rest from your works, just as God did from His. Our Sabbath should be, our rest should come from us, stop trying to toil. Stop trying to do things, stop trying to make things happen and resting in knowing that the Lord's going to provide, resting in knowing God has a better plan, resting in knowing, like, I can give up what I want to see done and trust that God's going to take care of whatever He needs to take care of. We often try to fight the Lord in what He's doing by getting our own plans, getting our own way, making things look the way we want them to look, and He's saying, hey, that ain't the way I want it to look. The Israelites had a great idea of what they thought the promised land looked like and what rest looked like. They had this great idea, and God's trying to say, that's not it. You don't get it. That's not it. I have something better for you, and you guys are trying to fight me. And God's trying to tell us, hey, I got rest for you, and you're trying to do it wrong. Right? Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active. And Jason's going to like this, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to divide the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before His eyes. Bear before his eyes of him to whom he we must give account. And Jason started out with that, sharper than any double edged sword, to divide the spirit and the soul and and uh when we get it, like whenever we are at the point, like we're we're reading the word, we're allowing it to, to change us spiritually, when we're allowing uh we're praying, we're going into the, the, we're praying about the words we're receiving. It will be just like a a, a uh, precision surgical instrument. When it's talking about that double-edged sword, the, the, the wording here is actually trying to portray that it's sharp on both sides when it's swinging, yet it's also good for penetrating. So it's good in all ways, right? And it's trying to tell you that I'm trying to, he's trying to say, I'm trying to surgically make you with this Word, the way I want you to be. I'm trying to do something precision because it's so sharp that it can separate our way of thinking from the way of God's way of thinking. It's trying to separate our flesh from our spirit. It's trying to separate our thoughts from His thoughts. And the Word of God has that ability to do that, right? That's a simple way of putting it. And then it says, nothing in all creation is hidden from him. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before him. Some versions say naked before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And that's the whole thought that sometimes we are laboring, we're toiling, and we almost get to the point where you would never say it out loud, but you almost think that God doesn't realize what you're going through. Or maybe God doesn't see what I'm doing, or God doesn't, like, you know, he ain't paying attention. Like you almost get to the point where you feel like you're out there on your own. And he's trying to remind you, hey, there's nothing he doesn't see. There's nothing that's not exposed to him, whether it be our hearts, our actions, our need for rest, our turmoil. Whatever it is, he sees it. It's laid bare in front of him. And sometimes we just got to remember that and say, hey, God, you see. I need your help. Lord, take charge of this. Take over this. And ways he does that is through the word and through prayer. Without the word and without praying over that word, it can't clean us. It can't make us the way we need to make us, right? So whenever we're looking for rest and we're seeking the things of the world to rest in, we'll never get rest. It's impossible because he won't compete with the ways of the world. The way we get rest is actually going to the Lord going to his word, praying, and finding rest in that. And I've am going to i used this example many a times, but it just came to me looking at him. I'm going to use Keeve again as another example. I've done it probably three or four times here. When Keeve knew he was supposed to join our prayer group, there was a struggle. Every Thursday night when he was supposed to be here, something happened. He was too tired or something came up and this, that, and the other, and what, probably five or six years ago, he comes to me sitting in that cafe and he says, Eddie, I need prayer. I know I'm supposed to be here for prayer group and something's always keeping me from it and I know it's spiritual. And he had to recognize it. And the moment he recognized that and we prayed about it, that Thursday, nothing was going to stop him. He tried and he showed up and he's been showing up ever since. And God was able to start giving him rest through prayer and through what he was doing. But he had so much turmoil around him about that moment until he said, no, I'm giving it to God and I'm I'm stepping into that rest. You sometimes have to actually physically step into what God's trying to give you for rest instead of just waiting for it and laying there. And, you know, sometimes we think like physically, if we're tired, we know we need sleep. And sometimes we're spiritually tired and we're still trying to use sleep. And we're still trying to use like relaxations and, and worldly things to get that rest. And it's not, a, it's not a physical rest, it's a spiritual problem. That's why we have such exhaustion in people, is because they're trying to address spiritual things physically. And it's not a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. And I promise you this if we get spiritual rest, you'll actually start getting some physical energy also with that. Your body will follow because the spiritual is more important than the flesh, right? And he closes out in Hebrews 4 with, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith with, uh, we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to uh, empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And because Jesus has done it, he's fulfilled it, he's went through it, we can trust him to know exactly what we need. Like he's not a God who's so far away that he doesn't understand where we're at. As I was saying, he sees us. He knows where we're at. And he looks at us and he empathizes with us by saying, man, I've been there. That is a hard time, right? And That's when we say, Jesus, I need you to do this, right? And I, I don't know if it's Tracy or Ryan or who. You guys can come on up. We're going to close out here in a second, but I want to read uh, three verses in Psalms that I I really appreciate David whenever, as we know, David is also another one who was exhausted at times. He was running for his life constantly. He was always at war. He was always battling. He was always fighting. And I'll be honest with you, right now I actually think in America we are in the biggest spiritual battle that Americans have ever seen. I believe there is a a light and a dark and it's a fight that is going crazy and I believe too many people are losing spiritually. I believe we just see, well, I don't have to tell you, you see it daily. All your friends, the people we know that are just being picked off left and right. Left and right. And then you're trying to speak to them and it's like, you feel like you're speaking a different language. You're like, you, I don't even get it. Like, you don't even, what happened, right? We have to protect against that. What happened? And David was in that same way. David was in battles over and over and over Right, he couldn't even be the one to build the temple because God said you have too much blood on your hands. Right, I almost think we should be fighting in such a way that God says, "Hey, you guys have been fighting too much. The next generation is going to enter into this, but you guys have been fighting so much. I'm just going to give you rest." Right. So David in uh, Psalm 62:1 says, "Truly, my soul finds rest in God." My salvation comes from Him. And He's reminding Himself, my rest isn't coming from me sitting in a cave. My rest isn't coming because life's getting easier. My rest is coming from God, and He is my salvation. Something we have to remind ourselves when we are spiritually wore out, right? Psalm 4.8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, Make me dwell in safety. I'm going to reread that. And before I reread it, I want you to contemplate in your mind how many times have you laid down and can't sleep because you're contemplating everything going on in life, right? And he says, in peace, I will lay down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. And we have to be able to just say, Lord, it's yours. I'm trusting you. I'm giving it over to you and it's going to take practice, right? It's going to take practice, but we can do it. Psalm 127, one through two says, one and two says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand and watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat for he grants sleep to those he loves. And we are often trying to... They're just having fun. It's okay. uh, We are often trying to make things happen in life. We're trying to provide. We're trying to do whatever. And we call it life. Well, I've got to take care of my family. I have to do this. I have to do that. And guess what? They've been doing it for thousands of years because it's in Psalm 127 where he says it. Unless the Lord builds it, It's built in vain unless the Lord watches over it. It's in vain. You rise up early. You try to provide. It's all in vain. Because the Lord provides for those who He loves. And He provides sleep, it says. And rest for those He loves. Right? And uh, I was going to wait to share this verse. But actually I'm going to share it right before uh, we go into prayer. And if you go... I told what Hebrews 3 was and I told what Hebrews 4 was but uh, during prayer I I knew we needed to do this. It's Hebrews 5. At the end of Hebrews 5 it says uh, maybe in 12 he says you need milk for solid food or not solid food for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their power of discernment trained. Drops off of that. Scripture just changed on me. Yeah. All right. It says, For those who have the power of discernment trained by constant practice. To distinguish good from evil. And it's talking about, we don't start out healthy. We don't start out great at rest. We don't start out eating well. We don't start, like no baby has ever started out when he came out. And I know Curtis may have been close, but it probably took him a year old before he says, let me get that medium rare, you know, steak right there. It takes time to get to the point to where you can eat that steak. It takes time before you can get to the point to where you're sustaining on your own. You have to be fed and you have to take baby steps and you're, you know, you have to be trained in it. And he said, but, but that word he uses there, uh, where he says, trained by constant practice. By constant practice. Not a weekly practice. Not a once a day practice but it's a constant practice and we don't get to the point to where we can do this unless we start out small and start working towards it praying and asking the Lord and there comes a point in time where like as you get better and you you pray and you, you try and you try and you're like Lord I need this I need this and you're always in the word and you're always praying and there comes a time where rest becomes easy but it ain't gonna come easy at first People always say, you know, I slept like a baby last night. That's the worst kind of sleep you can ever get because you're waking up all night hungry or needing to go to the bathroom, whatever it is. We don't want that kind of sleep. We want to kind of sleep like that old person who just lays out and they never wake up for a while. Like 10 hours later, they're like, man, that was a good night's sleep. That's what we want. We want to get to the point to where we're not babies. We want to get to the point to where we're like, man, that was good rest, right? That's good rest. And uh, and I'm not saying go home and sleep 10 hours a night, right? You don't need 10 hours sleep, but you might. I don't know. I don't. But I do need that kind of rest that mature people. I wish uh, Dave and DeVoe were here. I love their faith. But they only have that kind of faith is because they've done it over and, over and over and over and over. And it took years to get to the place they're at. And one day I'll get there. But it's not by giving up. It's not by trying to do it on my own. It's by getting into the Word, praying, and learning how to eat that, that good meal, right? So I'm going to pray. If you need prayer, I'm here. I say we all pray to the Lord. We seek Him in this. We let Him feed us. We let Him provide that rest that we need because we need it, right? So pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. Jesus, I thank you for your salvation. I thank you that you you know what we're going through, Jesus. You faced faced everything we go through, Lord. I would venture to say far worse than we ever faced. And so you understand this. You're empathetic, Lord. You know how hard this is, God. Lord, I pray that you would help us, each of us here, Lord, those who are at home, those who are throughout this country and this world, Lord, who are just so wore out, Lord, and they're exhausted, God. I pray that you would help us find that rest in you, Lord. you give us the energy to pursue it even, God, because without your energy and without you providing, God, we won't get out of this. We won't be at a point to where we're seeking your rest, Lord. So we need that that milk, Lord. We need your we need you to treat us like babies, Lord, and help us get better at resting. to help us get better at trusting you and seeking you, and and God. On those moments, whenever we're when God when we just feel like I can't do this, in those moments where we feel like we just need to go out and get away from everything, Lord, we realize the everything's not you. The everything is the things we're trying to get away with. Let us seek you first, God. Help us to seek your rest, God. Show us how to do it. Give us the desire to do that, God. I think we all have the desire, Lord. We just fall short. So we need your help. Put people around us in our lives, Lord, that will push us more to that kind of rest than those who would try to pull us out of it. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. A lot of times when you, uh, you're given a word, God will test it and you don't even realize it until afterwards. And, uh, I was just reminded last night as I, I was just getting to sleep last night. I hear, uh, outside of the house, I hear what sound like gunshots, about seven of them. And, uh, so I, Get up, and I'm like, "That's that sounds very extinguished, like gunshots." And and I hear what sounds like somebody around the house, and so I get up and I just look, I try to look see if somebody's out there, and, uh, and I stop and I pray for whatever's going on, and I go back to bed and I go right to sleep because they weren't in my house, I didn't have anything to fear. would have tried to come into the house it would have been different they weren't trying to come into the house they were outside of the house whatever was going on i don't even know if it's gunshots it just sounded like gunshots and i lived on the south side of evansville for 13 years i know what a gunshot sounds like and i was trained in how to deal with it it's hey keep your peace and move on right And we oftentimes things outside of of our house, out of us, outside of us, is trying to always try to take at peace to try to distract you to get you in fear. There's no reason to fear because they can't get inside, right? When we have the Holy Spirit and we have God, there's the no, only way they get inside is if we let them. And those fears should always stay outside, right? Not that we stick our head in sand and say it didn't happen. We just say, hey, it happened. If it's that bad, somebody will take care of it. Gotta take care of it. It'll be fine, right? And he'll show you how to take care of whatever it is if it's needed. And uh, But it's outside of the house. Leave it outside of the house. Don't bring it in, right? Don't open the door. You open the door, then it became your problem, right? So I'm going to close this some prayer. And, uh, we have such a good God. I hope you know that. He takes care of us. He provides for us. Usually more than we even know. You know, We pray for stuff, and then it's like, you, I think a lot of times our prayers are, I hope God provides at least a little bit, and then it's way more abundant, and then we're like, oh, yeah, he's that God, I forgot, right? That's the way he does it. We're just trying to pray that he would help us hold on, and he's like, nope. You're not going to hold on. I'm going to give you all this and take care of you. and uh Remember, that's our God. Our God, the God has said, "I'm not only not going to send you to hell. I'm going to make eternity for you forever." Right? He didn't just die for our sins. He rose to make a promise. We have nothing to worry about. If you die today, it's the greatest day of your life. You have nothing to worry about. Right? Father God, we thank you for who you are. We love you. You are so great to us. We know we didn't deserve it, Lord. But you loved us so much, you said we were, that we were worth it. And so, Father God, I pray as we go throughout this week, we would focus more on you as our provision, as our rest, as our safety. And we'd be reminded everything happening outside, even though you may use us to impact it, Lord, don't get inside unless we let it. Let us be filled with You and Your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us to get better at filling our lives with Your Word and what You speak to us. And let us overcome this turmoil that's always coming against us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Love you all.